Hello everyone, this is Ricky and you're listening to River City Church Talks, where we will take a deeper dive into the happenings, the coming ups, and the yets to be. Join us as we sit down with our pastors, ministers, and leaders and talk River City. Today I'm joined with lead pastor Jason Powers as we dive deeper into the sermon series, The Process. Jason, how are you today? I'm fantastic, Ricky. It's a great day. I'm glad to be here with you. Thanks for doing this, by the way. You're good at what you do. This has been fun. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to to get the different voices of all our pastors and all our uh, teaching team and different leaders. Um, it's good to have a kind of a back side insight onto what makes everyone tick. And I've just really enjoyed um, having these conversations with you about this sermon series, kind of unpacking it a little bit more um, outside of a Sunday service. And there's a constraint there, but now we get a little extra time to talk about things that maybe you missed or wanted to deep, um, deep diver deep into. Um, it's all about, you know, our mission to be a church for New Braunfels, you know, expressing and experiencing God's love in our lives and in our community. Um, and that process of how we reach that. And we are supposed to be for the people and not just the people in our church, but people outside that are different than us, that vote different than us, that look different than us, that feel different than us. But Jesus loved everybody. Yes, he did. That's the the best thing about this is there's so much, um, there's so much more like whatever, the time frame for the message is there's there's so much more and so there's always this tension uh, in presentation between do you unpack the um, like do you for the Mary and Martha yesterday do you unpack all kind of the cultural stuff the women's role and all that that I think is important uh, or do you just kind of hit that quick and then do the application for my tendency is um, I and I blame it on the on a trust of the Holy Spirit, which I hope, I hope it really is. But my feeling is if you, that the scripture is powerful in itself. The, um, my belief is that the Holy Spirit uh, within us will enlighten things, bring things to the forefront. It will teach us. Jesus said when the, when the comforter comes that uh, he will teach you all things. He will remind you of the things that I said. So I think that happens when we read the scripture that the Holy Spirit gets involved and gets engaged. And what I really don't want to do is, um, create kind of a congregational environment where the ethos is we just do what Jason says, right? Because that's, that's just, it's really dangerous and it leads to all kinds of abuse as we, as we've seen, as we've seen around. Right. And so, um, I do my best to kind of try to make it about the scripture and all that, and then hope that as we, as they go home, and this is where this is such a great idea. This lets me talk a little bit more, Maybe about some clarifications and be nuanced. Uh, I am. This will shock you, Ricky, but I have a tendency to talk a lot. Right? I process externally, and no. I know it's weird. It's weird. Um, so this gives me um, a lot of or more space, kind of for nuance to wrestle with the the application piece. Like, what does that mean? Because it's rarely, I think, black and white. Sometimes it is. Read your Bible more. Yeah. I, I just that. Pray more. Right. And 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 that's however much you're praying right now more right like, like you do that but to wrestle with the implications of what that looks like in the midst of very complicated lives and i think this talk about um and i don't want to call it about being at jesus's feet it's not right. just about rest it's about being at jesus's feet i think is so important because we do live in a really busy culture and busy society and so 
I know for me, I don't always have a crystal clear perspective of what that looks like to be a married. Like, do I, do I not do things? What things do I not do? Right? Do I not take my kid to to band practice? Do I it, it, all of that stuff? And so uh, that is where now. And the reality is, for me, the processing and fleshing that out with people is really the value. My hope is just because you and I have microphones in front of our face right, right. now, we get a chance to talk about this. My hope is that conversations like this happen really all over the place, right? right? Like everybody will go, Hey, what did that mean? You know? And if you could see the room right now, uh, you're sitting there with my sermon notes about to ask me questions about things that I said. And that is a really repeatable model, right? Like if you take notes on Sunday morning, go to coffee with somebody else who was there or go to lunch with someone or, or invite them over to your house and just go, Hey, Jason read Luke 10 and it said this, uh, and that made me angry or that confused me or whatever. What did that mean to you? And I'm like, well, that now is that's community. That's connection, which is what we're talking about next week. But we won't get there yet. But all that to say, this is a, a very cool model, I think, of just how to do this. Right. Get together and Let's talk a conversation. about it. Ask questions. Yep. Uh, do your best to answer. And, and that. so I know um, as I walked in getting prepared for this podcast, I said that you cut me deep yesterday with this sermon. Um, and I said that was my goal. I had you in mind the entire time, Reggie. Yep, it Not was really. just for That's me. Um, it's funny how sometimes you um, sit in the church and you're listening to the pastor and all of a sudden it's like, why are they talking about me? Why, why is that just directed about, you know, about me? And that's just the Holy Spirit saying, absolutely. Listen, that's really important, right? Like when people say, and you hear it all the time, right? Like I don't ever hear from God, right? I, I, um, I believe that that is truth for them. I believe they mean it, but I think it is as much about learning what the voice of God sounds like, because I believe that God calls everybody. Right. I believe that God speaks a lot of us. It's like, um, listening to birds. I just got back from uh, Colorado and we were there and, and there's like a whole different kind of bird set or whatever. And I was with someone who was knowledgeable about the area. And so they would hear something and go, Oh, that is this whatever. And then it was like, I'd never heard it before. But then all of a sudden when somebody pointed it out to me, right. now I, now you hear it yeah, everywhere. Time, and I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, they're, they're everywhere. Right. It's a blue jay squawking or, or whatever. And it's similar to, I think that with the voice of God where you go, Oh, that's, that's what that is. When you're in church, here's my guarantee, my promise. It would be unethical for me to preach at a person, right? Like if I know your story, what's going on yep. and I preach a message specifically tailored towards you, like at like an individual, man, that's unethical. I need to go talk to you about that and bring right. that out. Um, and so, so I don't do that. Now I do know generally like what's going on in the congregation. So I'm able to say like, this was easy. I know everybody's busy. So in a sense, I was talking to you, but I was talking to 700 people that were here yesterday. Right. Yeah. And all of that. So, um, but all of that to say, when you have that moment, like, bro, get out of my kitchen, right? Like you're reading my mail. That's hearing God's voice right. because I can't do that. I can't talk to your heart. Only right. the Holy spirit does. I've been preparing. I, I've been preparing this message for, for weeks, right? I knew this was coming before I went on break. And so, in that moment when it's being delivered, when you just go, oh my gosh, that was for me, it was for you. Yeah. But it's not from me, it's from God. When you hear that and it says, slow down or, or, or whatever it was, I'm curious what you heard. Um, because then the practice and the work becomes, okay, what do I do about that? Now that I've heard that, what do yeah. I do about that? So can I ask, was it super, super personal? No, you? no. Mine was the whole fact of church can be an idol. My church work can be an idol. If I'm not sitting at the feet of Jesus, just because I'm doing all the church work doesn't mean that I'm 
going to get into heaven any better than someone who yeah. just started hearing yeah. about Jesus. And that for me is a, is a reminder because I go into those ebbs and flows of church work and yeah. I think, Oh, this is holy work. This is it's God's really work. Important. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. sitting here doing, you know, the Lord's work, but if I'm not sitting at the feet of Jesus, like Mary and listening to the word and, and, and in taking in the word and listening to the Holy spirit and sitting in, in that, regardless of how many hours I spend at this church, doesn't mean nothing, bro. That's so good, and that's not just that's not just your work because you work at a church. I went this morning and prayed with a teacher at a school, and um, it was it was a very cool kind of reminder and a kind of thing for me. Like we went into a classroom, we sat and there were other teachers there, and we prayed for it and we prayed for all the kids and all that. And I, I I'm making this connection that that classroom can either be four walls, thirty desks, and and you know rigmarole and whatever or it can be a holy space and that very much just depends on the attitude and the position of that teacher um and that's i think that teachers what you just talked about is a great example and illustration because on the surface of it you may not know right like the teacher has to prepare uh lesson plans has to do curriculum has to do advanced uh, all of the all of the things that the teachers have to do um and so they could do all of those things and never have encountered jesus or they could do all those things. They don't get to stop. It's not like, oh, well, I spent time with Jesus today, so I don't have to do my lesson plans. Right. No, you have to do all of it. Um, but the difference is I do my lesson plans in prayer, praying, Lord, you know little Johnny, like we're talking about whatever, and little Johnny's having a rough week. Be with little Johnny. How can I encourage little Johnny? How can I help? Whatever. And that is where our work and our spirit or, or being at the feet of Jesus interlap. The great difficulty about the Mary and Martha teaching is the knee-jerk reaction is um, it's bad to work. Yeah. Right? Like Jesus chastised Martha. Well, yeah, kind of the the knee-jerk reaction is Jesus chastised Martha for working. Jesus didn't chastise Martha. Jesus held up a mirror and said, Martha, you're frustrated. You're the one. I'm not. Like, this is the thing that makes me feel whatever about Jesus. I want Jesus to be very gentle with me, but I want Jesus to be very firm and harsh with the things that I want, right? Like I right. want him to like, Lord, just fix my kid, right? Or, or whatever. But, oh, but Lord, just be gentle and tender with me. and Don't let me hurt too much, and right? Like that. And so I want, yeah. And so it's I look- funny because we want, you know, Jesus to be this rod bearing God to everyone else. But yes. when it comes to us, you know, just pat us, yes. just be nice to us. But no, we need that yes. too. Mercy for me, justice for thee. Right. right. And that like, and, and I get it. It's the human nature. We're, we're scared. We don't, we don't want justice, but we know when we've been violated, the, the deal is to trust Jesus. And I think what Jesus essentially said was saying to Mary and Martha too, was like, Martha, you chose the path that you're on. Right. Like, don't be mad at Mary because she chose a different path. And I think this this connects a, a lot. What I tell my kids a lot is you you have to live in the world that you create, right? Um, because when they, like, throw stuff at each other and they're fighting or whatever, and you just, you just ask them, okay, so what would you do if they said the exact same thing to you, if they treated you the way that you just treated them? Like, right. oh, well, I, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't do it. I'm like, no, you wouldn't like it because I know you're, you fight about it all the time. So what we tell them is, like, you either live in a world where... Failure is met with fire and fury, or we live in a world where failure and mistakes are met with grace and hope and reconciliation and correction when it needs right. to be and discipline and all of that. Um, but you have to live in that world. And that's what, you know, I think that's kind of, there's something to that underlying the Mary and Martha thing is like, 
Jesus lets us have what we choose. I heard someone describe heaven. Oh man, I hope I don't butcher this now that I started. Um, it is either we will all, when we stand before Jesus, either Jesus will spend time with Jesus and Jesus say, um, as you wish, right? Those who want to be with Jesus or will be excluded and Jesus will say, as you wish. But either way, we're choosing. Man, I butchered that. That was terrible. I'm sorry. Either way, Jesus is like, Martha, if you don't like that Mary's not helping you, either stop and sit down with her or just go on. I think that's the problem was okay. Martha's attitude that everybody needs to be like me. And we fall into that as Christians. It's it's hard not to because we want to be right because we think that's what Jesus loves us for is right. our rightness or that Jesus wants from us is I want you to be right. And I just think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of humanity. Um, and it's hard. We don't get there. We, I, I still grieve over my mistakes and my sins and they mount up and pile up and all of that. But I, I really, it's, it's all grace from top to bottom, first to last, uh, yeah. on my very best day, I fall short. And so, um, asking everybody to be like me is, is, is really not, is really not much, you know? And for those that don't know, we're talking about the story of uh, Martha and Mary. Um, Jesus is teaching. He's in full rabbi mode, and he's in the uh, city of Bethany um, and gets invited into the home. And Martha is the hostess of the of the party to say something um, about that. And they're all there, all the disciples and Jesus. And Mary, the sister, just, you know, is not physically sitting at the feet of Jesus, but is there listening to the teachings, which is something at that time that women could do, but, you know, behind their, their husband or whatnot. So it was kind of out of place for Mary to be. Yeah, and I think she probably was literally sitting at, that's the thing that I get. And again, so my imagination is not, sanctified it's not scriptural or whatever but i imagine sitting at the feet of the jesus that's where that's where the disciples were i can imagine peter being there and all that stuff and that's the thing mary sticks out like a sore thumb and yeah. so this becomes really relevant to me now when i just go who do i see in the who do i see in the rows in the seats at church that i just go you don't belong here yeah right well that's the martha spirit which is pharisee right where i just mm -hmm. go and i'm like it's not my feet they're, he's, they're not sitting at my feet. They, they don't care. And, and this is where it comes if they were, that'd be a totally different thing. <laughs> totally. Well, here's the question. Who gets to discipline my kids? Right. Uh, maybe my parents, right? My, my brother, maybe sometimes. Um, but the list is pretty short. Yeah. If you want to discipline my kid, you come to me mm -hmm. and, and I'll, and we'll figure it out and we'll just, you know, we'll disciple there. But that's a little bit what Martha was doing. Like, uh, Hey Jesus, your disciple is wrong. And Jesus is like, Hmm. But is she? Yeah, exactly. So I love that. See, and I love, I love how everybody else is awkward, or at least Mar uh, Martha. We know Martha's just like she's frustrated and she's troubled and she's worried. Uh, and Jesus doesn't seem to be the least bit frustrated, yeah. freaked out. He's not shocked by Martha's, you know, freak out. But he's like, oh yeah, yeah, Mary can sit wherever she wants, and if she wants to learn from me, I'm, I'm gonna let her. And I love that about Jesus. And I, the thing I, don't, I don't know that I can grasp how countercultural that was yeah. at the time. Um, and so it, it really is like the person that I think the person for whom it is unthinkable to me that they would be at the feet of Jesus. That's Mary in that situation. Yeah. And so I'm either Peter with her or I'm Martha antagonizing her. Right. And then Martha's in the kitchen um, making sweet rolls, as you said yesterday. Cinnamon rolls Cinnamon and, rolls and rolls sandwiches and, and charcuterie. Sandwiches. And it's a great day. 
And she's being a great hostess because that's what um, was expected of her. And then she comes in and she's tired. I can just vision Martha just sweating and apron and just flower everywhere. And comes in and looks at Jesus and looks at Mary. And she's just pristine looking up at Jesus. And Martha goes, bro, bro, go tell her to help me. Yep. Yep. And then the response of Jesus, you know, and I love that he repeats the name Martha. And Martha. I can just see the, like, Martha, come on, Martha. Yeah. We've had this yeah. discussion. Yeah. And he knows you're troubled about many things. That, so the first time I read that in preparation for it, that, that was the line that got me, right? Like, and, and I don't know that I've ever seen it. I think I always read Jesus, like, with a, with a corrective tone right. for Martha, right? Like, Martha, you got to stop being you. That's the thing. You know, we talked about spiritual gifts, right? And I think there's a spiritual gift of hospitality where God enables people. I talked about my uh, my mother-in-law, how she has a a beautiful gift of hospitality and not uh, and not everybody has that and that's okay. But Martha wasn't Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. Hospitality wasn't wrong. What was wrong, what Jesus spoke to wasn't that she was serving him, was that she was serving him and frustrated that everyone else wasn't doing the same, or at least... Mary, she probably understood Jesus or, or uh, Peter and Andrew and Jim. They weren't supposed to be doing, they're supposed to be at Jesus' feet. But Martha knew what Mary was supposed to do. And that was her frustration. And I think that's what Jesus, Jesus didn't speak to her, to her charcuterie skills. Jesus spoke to her trouble and right. to her frustration. And I think that's the deal when we see the person. Yeah. And I think as, a, as a, you know, someone who's been in church my entire life, um, you know, you take that Martha um, attitude towards people who maybe are new to church yep. and are, you know, just really sitting and listening. And, you know, that whole attitude of like, well, go do something. Yep. Go yep. or do, be good. Or be good. Yeah. That um, that's that's hard. That is the hardest tension for me to live in, because here's the thing. Holiness. Uh, the word holy means set apart. Um, it means to be, yeah, put aside for a, for a specific purpose. When God led the Israelites out of Egypt, right? And, and there's all the, you go to Exodus and there's all these passages, right? Like out of my, with my right arm, my mighty right arm, right? And he called them into the desert for 40 years. And he said, and he's teaching them how to be a people, right? And so I think that's behind a lot of these laws, right? These weird laws, like don't eat shellfish. Okay. Well, number one, don't eat shellfish in the middle of the desert pre, pre-refrigeration, yeah. right? That goes bad for you, okay? But the other deal was God wanted his people to be easily distinguished, Yeah, right? It wasn't that God hates shrimp. I think God likes shrimp. He created shrimp. He created them to be great. I think what God says is you're to look different. There's the thing about um, mixed fabrics, like why would right. you make mixed fabrics? And I think it's one of those things where God just says, hey, everybody else does. I want you to look different. And we look at it and go, well, that's dumb. And maybe it is dumb. I, I, I don't know. It's not, it's not my law. But I know that God says you're supposed to be different. So holiness matters. And holiness for our behavior, right? I think there are, we are supposed to look, look different. But it's a process. And it's yeah. a process. And here's the thing. This is the clinch, right? I look at the person in the, in the seats and in the row who has some behavior, some thing that they do, some, right? And we look at it, and I can look at it and just go, man, that's sin. And I can justify all that. Well, are they calling it a sin? Are they excusing it? Are they doing it right? Whatever. Great. What I need to do is just go, okay, so my frustration is that they sin, that I know about it, and that they seem to not 
be that interested in getting over it or working hard to get over it. And so then I step back and go, okay, well, is there anything in my life that's like that? And maybe it's not the same. In fact, it's probably not the same behavior because if they sin like I sin, I'm probably much more likely to give them grace, right? So the question then becomes, as a church, what do we do with people who sin? And then the question by extension is, well, what does Jesus do with people who sin, right? right. Well, he calls them, he um, he teaches them, he points them to the way, and then, but ultimately, at the end of the day, he gives himself up for their sin, right? right. He dies for he dies for their sins, and so, um, you know, I think that that that's an important that's an an important distinction, right? That that sin's not ever going away. He holiness is holiness is the standard, right? And we need to be set apart. And listen, to the degree that I'm excusing sin in my life, I'm tolerating destruction in my own life. Yeah. And that's and that's terrible. Whether it's the sin of of Phariseeism and self-righteousness, which is very much a sin and it will keep us from Lord the self-righteousness is in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says, "I you prophesied, we you taught in my name, I never knew you, right? Yeah. That's that's the Phariseeism, right? And so whether it's that sin or or sin, the sin of of addiction or the sin of of being dishonest and lying, whatever the case, whatever it is, um, we're supposed to acknowledge those things are not God's way. And point and just go, that's not God's best. That leads to destruction, not reconciliation. That leads to um, that leads to tearing things and people down rather than building things up. And God is a builder. God is creative. He is not destructive. He, all of those things say sin is bad and it's terrible and it hurts. But what do we do with it? Does Jesus throw rocks at Martha? No, he corrects her and he points to a different way. And he says, Mary's chosen what's better and it's not going to be taken from her. So here's the question. Now, here's the thing for Martha. That's an invitation. Martha, choose what's better. It doesn't mean don't ever make charcuterie again. It right. doesn't mean Christians have to quit their jobs. It may mean that Christians Christians have to quit their jobs, but that's between God and them. That's in that that's in that space. And so, you know, we want, I think, and I want to be one way or another. Either it doesn't matter what you do right. at all. Do whatever you want because God is love and you can behave however you want. False. Yeah. Or no, well, it's if you if you sin, that's evidence that you're not following Jesus and Jesus is mad at you. Well, also false. So Here's it. Here's it. Right. This is it. This is the gospel. Maybe it's all about grace, the grace that God shows us for our sins and the grace that we show others for their sins, yeah. because we're either becoming like Jesus or we're not. And if we're becoming like Jesus, we're becoming like grace. Right. John one full of grace and truth. That's that's the deal. The problem was Martha showed she was ready to tear Mary's head off. Yeah. And I get it. I do it right. I walk around. And I go, oh, I'm so faithful. And Jesus, if all your people were just more than me baloney yeah they would sin differently but it would be just it, it would be the, the same kind of situation yeah. that's the human condition and it takes all kinds of humility for me to say i want to live in a world where sin is met with grace where my failure is met with an embrace and encouragement down the correct road rather than than you know the rod that takes my head off and you know and all that. And right. so that again it goes back to the world that we create. I don't make less of Jesus's righteousness. I don't make less of um the morality of Christianity. I just know that if it's up to me being moral enough, I will never get there. Cuz right. if I could, I wouldn't need Jesus. Yeah. So I need Jesus. So I better start getting used to the fact that every single person I meet, 
every one of them, the Pope, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, all of them have enough sin in their life, me included, to wreck the whole thing. If it's not about grace, the whole thing falls apart. The whole thing falls apart. That's that's where I think, that's what I think Jesus wanted to do. And we find that at feet of Jesus. Yeah. He said yesterday that you can do all the things, but still miss Jesus. And he won't tell those that see him to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want everybody, you know, they say misery loves company, right? And so I want to be, I want everybody to be as busy as me. Or actually I want everybody to be just a little bit less busy than me because then they'll know that I'm really, really, really important. Really important. Yeah. Really. And the thing, listen, the things that I do are really important. That's why Sabbath, sabbatical is so important because really like there's all that stuff. When I left recently in July, all of that stuff, well, what happens? What are they going to do? Are they going to break it? Is God, are people going to stop coming? Yeah. Is the, you know, whatever. And guess what? I'm gone for six weeks and nobody called me and did that. And I had all that fret and worry and I get back and guess what? It's better. The spirit is sweeter. Right. And so if I never rest, if I never step out, I never get an opportunity to see that and to, right. and to experience that. And so when we talk about Sabbath, um, a day of rest, it's not just a day to go to the, go to the beach. The, although that, that may be it. That's, that's important. I heard a great, um, a guy on the radio who is a Jewish guy and, and, and it's not a spiritual radio show. It's about something else, but, um, because he's Jewish every Friday, he talks about, he talks about the Sabbath and all that. And he made a, he made a statement once it stuck with me. He said for the Jew, for the Jewish person, the Sabbath is not about rest. It's about reflection. And I was like, Oh, that's really good because it is about that reflection of like, God is God. And I am not, it is about, um, where am I tolerating patterns of sin in my life? When I look back, okay. So, uh, for me recently, Friday has become my day off. That's a day where we take Sabbath. And so, my job on Friday is to step back and go, and I don't do this very well. I'm just learning this, right? Yeah. And and um, it's good to point out that Sabbath doesn't have to be on a Saturday, or you know, yeah, that, that's re- really good point, right? Um, to the Jewish people, the Sabbath was sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. When Jesus came, they started. To, they called it the Lord's Day, right? It was Resurrection Day. It was Sunday. Sunday. So yeah. so the point is not the day. The point is right. The point is, do you, do you do it? So for me, it's Friday. And, and, and I try to get Natalie to do that on Friday too. As much as we can with our kids, we do, we try to step away a little bit from our phones. Uh, on that day, I don't fix the sink. I don't, um, build the deck unless it's something that's going to give me rest. That's going to fill my soul and prepare me. But what I do do is step back and look back at the week and go, did I love God with all my heart and soul? And what does that what does that mean? Right. right? And did I love my neighbor as myself? Who um, am I harboring unforgiveness against? Who am I really angry? Who do who do I think that I have hurt and wounded? How can I make restitution for that? How can I live at peace? How you know all of those things? And that's what Sabbath is. It's not just. Well, I go to the I go to the lake instead of going to work today. And again, the lake may be very much part of it. If I lived mm-hmm. in the mountains, walks in the mountains right. would, would absolutely be that. Um, but here, it is just how can I make sure that my heart is staying connected to Jesus over a longer period? So you have the daily, right, the quiet time, right, quote unquote, the quiet time, right, where you open your Bible or you do a devotional. The point of that is, side note, all of these things are merry things. Yeah. Right. So what do I do with my quiet time? Oh, I read a devotional, you know, I read Jesus calling or, or my utmost for his highest, which are, which are great. And I read it 
And then I pray, Lord, give me a great day and help me to honor you. And then I get up and go about my business, right? Great start, important. But as you read the devotional, it's important to step back and go, okay, where am I going to encounter this? Right, in, the in application. Yeah, the application, right? Like what what about this is going to make my life different today? And, and acknowledge on the front, for me, sometimes that's really hard. I was reading today uh, in Romans, a chapter in Romans, and it's this deep, thick, dense theology and i had to sit and just go okay what does that what does that mean for me predestination and you know the jacob have i loved and esau i hate like what oh my gosh what what do i do with that sometimes it's really hard um and sometimes i don't have a clear like you need to go say you're sorry to bubba or whatever like that sometimes i just wake up and just go god you're in control of this day um i believe that you see me that you know me and you move towards me with grace so let me do the same that's what our kind of devotional time is it's finding Jesus and going, he is present with me in this day. And then we walk out before we start. That's how you sit at Jesus's feet like Mary. And then you go and kind of busy. Yeah. Because here's the deal. When you sit at Jesus's first, it's much easier to be like, Jesus has already accepted me. It's much easier for me to believe that I'm accepted by grace. If I sit with him before I start doing things. Like if I just go out and do something neat and then come back in, it's easy for me to go and I do this, right? Because I want to be a Pharisee in my heart, right? That's the sinful part of me, right? I do that and just go, man, Jesus, I just do so many awesome things for you. Jesus, I am, I'm pretty amazing for you, Jesus, right? That's where I joke, like, you're welcome, Jesus. I got to not do that. I got to sit down with Jesus and go, bro, if it's up to me, I have no chance. And listen, I live in a two-story house in the suburbs. I am generally pretty moral i do like you would look at my go and I'm like, whatever please this is not hyperbole i'm not exaggerating if it is up to me there is no chance in hell that i make it if jesus is not who he says he is right and if grace is not what he says he is i don't make it and when i get that into my head which i don't always and i work try to whatever when i get that into my head it makes it much easier when I look at you and the inevitable sin that's going to pop up. It makes it much easier to just go, oh, you're like me. Yeah. We need grace. That's a much different relational connection. And all of this really is, <laughs> I'm kind of preaching Sunday's message, you know, and I'm not going to tell you too much, but that's the idea. Being with Jesus first yeah. changes everything. Not being with Jesus first changes everything. It's the system of your life. Yeah. You know, yeah. whatever that system is, is the fruit that's going to show. So if you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, then, you know, your your fruit is going to be sweeter. If you're starting your day and that misery of just busyness, idleness, you know, that's what your, your life is going to be. Here's the thing. Here's the caution. You know, the Bible talks about the world. Yeah. The world. Right. Okay. So is that like the earth? Is it like the, the physical terra firma globe? Right. No. In scripture, the world, the flesh, similar, right. It's, their systems, right? Um, and this is what's this is what's so important, right? This is why the holiness, the called out thing, right? The systems of the world do not lead us to Jesus. That's why Jesus said, "Repent," because there's a different kingdom. The kingdom is a system, and the world is a system, right? Right? And so, um, the world system says, "Work harder, and you'll get ahead." Yeah. And then it sabotages the whole thing, right? Because yeah. it's like, "Work harder than who?" Because there's always somebody that works harder than me, right? Um, the world system says, if you're good, then you're loved again, 
It's a rigged system. Well, better than who? Do right. I have to be better? Than, do I have to be as good as the Pope? Do I right? Yeah. Um, so the system says you are what you do. Your value is determined by how good you are, what you produce, and even that, how good you are, again, determined by yeah. What's the metric? Yeah. What? Yeah. What's the metric? Right. And so um, this is side note. This is where labels lead us down the road, right? Because to label something uh, is to judge it. Good or bad, yeah. right? And so when we just go, hey, that is, what are labels? Um, when we put a label on a person or thing, that is it. That is a judgment. Now, maybe a, a judgment for good or maybe yeah, a judgment. He's for a hard worker. He's a, a hard worker. Yeah. yeah, right. So when I say, um, oh, progressive and conservative are two, yeah, right? Yeah. Depending on my point of view, if I say that person is a progressive, I'm labeling them as either a person who is not like me, therefore right. bad, or that they're a person that is like me, therefore good. And whichever one I put on there, you miss a whole entire majority of their community. Right? Why don't I, instead of saying progressive or conservative, why don't I say he is a father or not a father or a father, right? Yeah. That's... I think that probably has just as great an impact on the person as, as anything else, right? And so we want to label and to label to categorize generally may not be you know so terrible, but when we cling to those and use those to make everything fit into a box, that's, that's where we get in trouble, right? Like as a church, what are we as a church? Are we, are we a charismatic church? Some people would go, heck no. Some people in the same room would go, heck yes, yeah. I saw that guy with his hand raised and mm -hmm. he was clapping, he was doing all that, right? Well, for one person, they want us to be charismatic because right. charismatic is how you worship. Some people, they don't want us to be charismatic because that's not how you worship, right. right? And at the end of the day, we just go, man, what if we just get around Jesus and if I want to put my hands up and I put my hands up, and, right? And and we just go, that is that that is what it is. And it all comes down to biblical, right? Right? Yeah. If you if you bring a snake, I'm asking you to leave because that, that's not in there, right? Like right. that's that's the thing. But that becomes the standard. Grace, love, order and worship, 1 Corinthians 14, you know, all of those things. And that's all just sitting at the feet of Jesus. They're not my people. Right. River City is not my people. You don't work for me. You right. work for Jesus, right? So you check it with him. Now I'm going to do my best to help you find him. But I also think, here's the deal, Ricky, you're doing your best to help me find him too. Right. Right? Like that's this priesthood. My priesthood of all believers is kind of the theological concept. Like we all have a role in this. And I sit, uh, I sit in a chair and I have a role within the body. But it is just that it is it is a role, and I am dependent on everyone. We need Marthas. We just need Marthas who have sat at the Jesus, at the feet of Jesus first, right? Right. That's that's kind of that's kind of, and we need Marys. We need contemplatives, and we need activists. But we need the contemplatives and the activists to understand radically that the other side is valuable. It's not well. Jesus was an activist, and so I was an activist too. Well, Jesus went up on mountains a lot to pray by himself. It's not oh, well, Jesus was a contemplative, right? Jesus walked into the temple and turned tables over. Yeah. Jesus was both. I'm not both because I'm not Jesus, right? Right. I mean, I have a little bit. You know, I have. I can be active or I whatever. I have a bend. I tend more towards the um, contemplative side on purpose, but that's fine. I have great radical. One of my favorite people in the world is a guy called Willie Mayfield. He works at the church where I came from. Willie's an activist, bro. Yeah. Now Willie knows a lot. He understands his theology is great and wonderful, great. But Willie serves Jesus actively. Yeah. By working, right? I need Willie. Right. In my life, the church needs Willie, but Willie needs me too, yeah. right? And we all need Jesus. Yeah, that's the money shot. That's where we go right now. Yeah, we're all interconnected. Yeah, we, we need the community. 
yep. you know, and we yep. need to all be able to just live um, like like Mary at the feet of Jesus. Yes. But, you know, also be active like Martha, but yes. don't make it your idol. Yeah. And I think it's about flow, yeah. right? And it's about order. I said a couple, uh, two weeks ago, right? Like the created order was God and then mankind and then creation. And the point is God created us in his image so that yeah. we could reflect his goodness into creation. That's the flow from God through us into creation. Yeah. In the same way from contemplation, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus to the activity of Martha, right? If you go from, yeah, if you go, if you try to start with Martha, you'll always end up like Martha, cranky, frustrated, and scolding Jesus, yeah. right? If you start with Mary, we don't hear from Mary in that. Mary is content to let Jesus have his way right. in that. The only person who's not content to let Jesus have his way is Martha. And Martha's just like, that's the better part. It's better to start at the feet of Jesus. And then there will be Plenty of time. We yeah. find Martha doing, or Mary doing all kinds of things for Jesus, right? She washes his feet with oil. She, you know, all these things. It's not one or the other, but it is very much the, um, the disciplined part, the Christian, the yes. fundamentally Christian part is to say, the world is going to try to make me busy. And, and my response as a follower of Jesus is, I will do only what Jesus has asked me to do. And in order to do that, I must first sit with him and find out. So I know you want me up and around and out of the house at 6 a.m. and work until 10 o'clock to show everybody how valuable I am. My position is you don't determine who I am. Jesus does. Yeah. So I check in with him first. And in that place, I find that I am forgiven. I am loved. I am his child, I, uh, all of these things. If I know that I'm loved and provided for because Jesus said he's provided for me and then I go into work and my boss is like, I need you to work 12 extra shifts and do all this, I'm not going to do that. I can just go either, okay, I will serve Jesus like that gladly. Yeah. Or, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. And I may have to go get another job or I may have to do whatever. Either way, I am assured of who is in control. It yeah. is not me. It is not my boss. It is Jesus. And I can respond to him in whatever way is appropriate. Right. Because if you're doing that, you're living in this, the spirit is living in you and your, yeah. your strength is coming from that. It's yeah. like the burning bush. You, you said that yesterday, you know, yep. the, the bush wasn't consumed because it was the Holy spirit that was, yeah, know, it wasn't burning twigs. Right. It was burning the Holy spirit. And guess what? Yep. It never runs out. Right. That's why the bush wasn't consumed. Yeah, and That's we, why the fire didn't go out. Right? And if we live that way, you know, yeah, we'll be tired, but we're not going to be consumed by what we're doing. You know, our job isn't going to consume us because we're being Jesus at our job. Yes. And that's the purpose. Yeah. Not widgets, not boats and cars and houses and all that, because all those things are going to go away. Right. It's Jesus and who I am. And here's the thing. It's hard. It's hard to fathom how serious this is. Yeah. We think, I often think that, you know, and I say, well, gee, it, yeah, yeah. I think that this is a lot more serious than I, than I let him write. Jesus and his call is not just like this kind of parallel, but similar kind of going along the way path. And like most of the things that I can do are going to be okay. Right. I think Jesus calls us out of the boat away right. from, away from the deal. I think this, when we, when we do this, when we understand how serious Jesus is about this, I think it really does get, um, I think we start to realize like Jesus really was, does want to make our life different. That's the scary part, right? Because we can't fathom what that would look like. And Jesus just like, just 
trust me, just yeah. follow me. And that's, that's the faith part. I know it, man. I am married to an activist. My wife is, she is one of the most gloriously and beautifully active and productive people um, that I know. And so I can see and have all the pitfalls and I know all the stuff that goes along that, but I know how, how perfect and wonderful and, and beautiful it can be. Um, and I lost my train of thought there other than to just say my wife is awesome. And it's great. What was I talking about before? What did I say? I don't remember. Dang it, Ricky. You're supposed so to be listening. <laughs> if you're not listening to me, then who is listening to me? I need to listen to myself. Uh, anyway, plenty of people listening to you. Goodness. Jason, you said two things yesterday and this is how we're going to wrap up. And this is more questions for, um, the people listening. What distracts you from Jesus? What distracts me from Jesus? Uh, my own insecurity, um, I, it's hard for me to not, it's hard for me to contend with the unchangeableness of Jesus. And I, I know in my own heart, man, I'm not predisposed to grace. Any tendency in me to give grace to other people is hundred percent the work of the Holy Spirit in yeah. my, in my life. Right. And so, um, what distracts me from, from Jesus is, um, I'm not good enough. I, um, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't say that well enough or my, my theology isn't advanced enough or I'm not kind enough or I don't spend enough time with whatever it is. I want to, um, yeah, whatever it is, I am, I'm not enough. Yeah. That's what, that's what distracts me. Um, it's pretty easy for me. I don't have a lot of like bedrock activity in my life that I just can't get away from. When I was in college, it was baseball. Um, and I know because when I quit playing baseball, I had like a, 10 year identity crisis. Um, but today it's not so much the activity as it is. It's hard for me to fathom how a perfectly holy and good and loving God would want to spend time with me, would want me at, at his feet, which by the way, that's why I go there because you know what? I have never sat down with the scripture, never sat down with the scripture, opened my heart to pray and had Jesus say, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Never, never once on my worst day when I, when I, when the residue of some heinous sin is hanging over my head and I go into the presence of Jesus, he never is like, I can't stand you. Yeah. The idea, right? God can't stare at sin, can't look at sin, he turns his back on it, whatever. Thank God for the cross. I don't think that's true. Right. I don't think that that's true anymore. I don't think it ever was. If God couldn't look at sin, he could never look at anyone. He sees Jesus in us and he sees what he has created us to be. He hates sin. He knows what it does to us, but God's holiness is love. And I know my kids, right? They're like, we talked about it already they're, they You know, they mess things up. Yeah. I'm able to look at my kids and know that they're broken and whatever. And man, there's no one I would rather spend time with. And right. God is, God is like that. Yeah. His love is like that. So that's what distracts me. My, uh, my own insecurities primarily that, that what would God ever want to do with, want to have to do with me. Right. That's good. That's really, really good. So we're going to end there it's good for you. I don't know. It's good for me, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to, to, you know, we, we put ministers, pastors, whatnot, you know, on pedestals at times. Don't and do that. It, no, don't do that because it's just, that's a human person. It's not, a god or an idol or whatnot i used to say remember i used to say i wish i could offend you at the door and i think sean azaro my pastor actually used to say that because if i could just if i could convince you from the time that you met i'm a person on this journey yeah. just like you yeah um things get a lot less weird um yeah and that's that was that was the point you know you are me you're in a different stage of life right but you are me yep. you know 
my sin is no yep. greater than your sin and vice versa. And, you know, it's through the grace of God and through what Jesus did on that cross that we can sit at his feet and say, I am badly, yep. badly yep. broken. Yep. And if we, that's, that's a great point. I love how you said that, Ricky. That was so good. Um, Jesus gave his life. Um, the theological term is justification, right? He died so that we could be forgiven. He fulfilled the law. You know, uh, everyone who hangs on a tree is cursed is what the law says. And so when Jesus went on the cross, uh, he was cursed so that we couldn't be. The law, the entire law was fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled every aspect of it. And the last part was hanging on the cross. So when, when he did, the law was fulfilled. It didn't have to be binding on us for all that. We could be justified. We could be set right, um, made righteous, which is a positional yeah. thing, right? We could be placed back in his presence, back in his family. Um, we are justified by his death. If Jesus died so that I could sit at his feet for eternity and I don't do yeah. that, well, I, then I'm just like, hey, thanks, Jesus, for the cross. I appreciate you dying and you giving your life, but but no thanks. Yeah, I'm right? still going to do it my yeah, way. It's like if I told Natalie, like, hey, there's this really great sandwich shop on the north side of Austin, and I need you to go. This is not a great analogy at all, but I'm going to make it anyway, right? Because it nothing. Uh, trying to make an analogy of the cross is full. Anyway, go get me that sandwich in Austin, and three hours later, she comes back with the sandwich. I'm like, yeah, you can just give it to the dog. I don't. I'm not going to do it anyway. Right. Natalie doesn't like that. Natalie's going to be frustrated with like in a very. <laughs> much larger, grander <laughs> sense. And a broader. Jesus is like, I will give my life so that I can spend eternity with you. And we're like, man, can you, uh, can you give me a bunch of stuff? Can you make me really successful here? Jesus is like, no, those are taking you away from me. I, yeah, Jesus, I really just want that. I really just want to be kind of successful and have people think I'm pretty neat. Jesus is like, well, the, de the deal is whatever. I could go on and on and on. You could. I know you could. Um, but we're going to wrap it up there. Um, Jason, it's always been a pleasure. It's a pleasure to, to kind of unpack these things um, with you and go into a little deeper um, parts of this sermon. I look forward to the next one. Um, and I just, you know, what can we do to be more like Mary? That's the question that I'm going to be asking myself. Yeah, just do it. Just, really, you just have to sit there. Yeah. You can't fake it, right? Set a timer, 20 minutes. It's going to be the longest, that first 20 minutes is going to be the longest 20 minutes of your life. Do it anyway. Right. And when you are praying and your mind starts thinking about the dog food or the Astros or the economy, don't beat yourself up, but don't get up either. Right. Just go, oh, wow. Make that a party prayer. Lord, look at how distracted I am. I'm like Martha right now. Lord, right. help me be more like Mary. And you may spend 20 minutes and spend a grand total of one second thinking about the Lord. That's better than yesterday, probably. That's right. Right? And right. that's that's where we want to get, because tomorrow it may be two seconds. And before you know it, your whole life is filled with Jesus. Before you know it, your whole life is spent at his feet. But that's a long process, because Jesus isn't as concerned with finishing and winning as we are. Yeah. We want to arrive. Jesus wants to walk. Jesus wants to talk and hang out. So. Yeah. You better stop this or I'm going to get going again and start talking. And we're gonna get no, we're going to stop it there. Um, thank you so much, Jason, again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can hear um, the podcast of Jason's sermon. Um, it all starts with the feet, part of the process um, on this podcast channel as well. And with that, we will catch you all on the flip side.